Hey, Bobby Manning here. Welcome to Celtics post game on the Garden Report. Just me and Joe Sway Pavone tonight. John and Jimmy banged in on a Pistons game. Who knows if they'll be back for the Orlando game as well? I mean, it's it's easy. Of course, easy. Jimmy. I know you were thinking about it too, Josue. I was almost here alone talking about Sadiq Bey and Jeremy Grant for an hour. People would have loved that. My off day is Sunday. Off day is Sunday. I'm good for tonight. All right. I'm I'm going (laughs) in on both these games. Unfortunately, this was as dreadful of a game as it possibly could have been. Uh, (laughs) Cade Cunningham ruled out at the last second. Didn't get to see him, which was sad. Jeremy Grant didn't look like himself, still coming back from the injury there. Kelly Olenek, really limited, still coming back from his injury. So the Pistons uh, just had a horrific second quarter where I think they scored 15 points. Third quarter, Tatum lights them up, and that was essentially the ball game there. Celtics led by as many as 22, I believe it was, in that fourth quarter. The bench comes in, almost blows it, gets to within seven in that last minute there, and much bigger blowout than the final score indicates, 102-93. I'm Bobby Manning. We'll have A. Sherrod Blakely joining us from Detroit at some point tonight. Uh, and Joe Sway is here for now. So, Joe Sway, we'll spend a few minutes on this game. Uh, a lot of stuff happening around the NBA. Big trade today uh, report, another heavy.com report. They are just churning out, breaking rumors ahead of the deadline. And more Ben Simmons talk. We're going to do a ton of Ben Simmons talk tonight. That'll get the people going. Oh, yeah. But first, Celtics Pistons. Great tease. Where do you want to Good start? With this one? I mean, I guess let's let's just start from the beginning, I guess. I mean, look, the Celtics came out again with the same sort of attitude, same approach. They look like a, 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 like a system. You know what I mean? Like, you know how, like, I feel like a month ago or three weeks ago, we would be saying, oh, well, this person looked great or that guy looked great in the starting lineup. No, the whole system is looking fluid right now. And that's exactly what you want to see, especially against a bottom-feeding team like the Detroit Pistons. Now, exactly like like you said, I mean, Jeremy Grant isn't himself. You know, you got guys out of the lineup. So you take advantage. You know, this is supposed to be a blowout win, and that's exactly what it was, you know, outside. I mean, besides the, the, the second unit nearly blowing it at the end there, nearly getting the starters back in there, which would have been a little embarrassing. But uh, that, luckily that didn't happen. Um, Jason Tatum had a lot to do with that in that third quarter. I, I thought he did a good job of shaking off the rust a bit from the first half. Um, he got it going from the outside. But, but yeah, you know, Bobby, I, I just feel like the offense is, is clicking right now. Everyone's trusting each other. I mean, shit, we had Robert Williams pass up a dunk so he can give out a three to Romeo Langford. Now, granted, the game was way out of reach at this point, but that's the kind of approach I want to see, making the great pass and looking for the open guys. You know what I mean? I, I, he may have forced it a bit. That, that does go against my whole, like, you know, I want to see Rob be more aggressive when he when he's got the rim right in front of him. But it does show again what Emay's system is all about, and I think we were starting to completely see that unfold, and we're seeing that consistency in their approach for sure. Five more blocks from Rob in this one too. The post defense that the Celtics are oh, playing man. right now is outstanding. I, I wrote that for CLNS after the uh, last game. This is the this is the best defense in the league right now by far, and I know it's the Pistons, but they've been doing this to other groups too. NBC had a great stat during this game that uh, 10 teams now have held their opponents to under 33% in a game, and the Celtics have three of those. Uh, I, I forget what, yeah. what the other two were, but add this one to the list. I believe the Pistons shot 32.7. There it is, right in the graphic, percent from the field. So... Uh, they're crowding the paint. They have this really good thing going with Rob and Al Horford being like a two-headed monster in the paint there, uh, completely deterring shots at the rim. And then in that second quarter, 
Pistons took like nine shots at the rim and only got one to go. And that was essentially where they completely faded out of this game. This the Celtics defense is really starting to become something special here. And like you said, Josue, we'll get in the Tatum's game as well. Gerard is here from these these arena names always. Little Caesars Arena. Little Caesars. Oh my god. You gotta do the announcer voice when you're talking about Detroit, man. I thought you were gonna well, you no, can't do Mason. Do, do, don't 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 do it. You can't do Mason. <laughs> I, I I know Mason, and and Mason has a distinct voice. And Bobby, no disrespect, but uh, you ain't built for that. <laughs> I actually remember I'll that Mason. now that I think of it. I'll Just way to jog my memory he, there. Did he, did he take the season off this year, or he's still he's still doing that? Mace? Oh, he's still here. He's still oh, doing man. his job. He's he's oh, excellent man. at his job. The Pistons. No, I know. Not so oh, much. Man, Detroit. Detroit's not doing their part. They gotta, they gotta get it going. You know, you got, you got a hype man like that. You gotta take advantage of that. You know? So, Sherrod, we we were just talking defense. Mm-hmm. I love talking defense with this team at this point because it's it's actually the only thing that the Celtics do exceptional. But I'll hand some credit to the Pistons too. That second quarter might have been the worst offensive quarter I've seen from a team in the NBA this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was bad. I mean, the the only the only quarter that I can think of a team was. Uh, as bad that I've seen the Celtics play this year was if you think back to that first Miami Heat game where the Celtics outscored them. Oh, they had a nine nine. point quarter. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. 33 to nine was the score in that one. That was probably the worst quarter of basketball I've seen a team play against the Celtics this year, but this was pretty (laughs) damn close. Uh, Detroit's, they're just a bad team. But the thing that I, I, I appreciate about the Celtics is that they didn't allow the craptitude that was on the floor against them sucked them in and play at that level. They they consistently yeah. stayed above the fray. They did what they were supposed to do. When Detroit was trying to attack the rim, they did a great job of, of making sure they wouldn't get anything close. Uh, Detroit wasn't shooting the ball particularly well from the perimeter. The, the Celtics did what you're supposed to do against a team that is closer to the number one pick than being the number one seed in the East. And, and, and that is absolutely annihilate them. And, and to your point, Bob, you're right. I mean, the final score was not indicative of how this game was played. Uh, it wasn't the second unit. It was, to me, it was the two plus unit. Uh, the guys that were beyond just the typical backups that just almost let this thing get away. And that was, you know, at, at some, you, you get the feeling that if there was another minute or two on the clock, we might be having a different kind of conversation about this game. Oh, man. And, it, I mean, and, and again, Detroit wasn't doing anything special. It was just that the, the Celtics, they were just kind of crapping a bed there at the end. Uh, you can't have that happen. You, you really can't, even if you are on that two-plus uh, second unit. Not the sec, not the backups, but the guys beyond the backups. Yeah, I was telling yeah. Bobby, I would have been embarrassed if you had the Stars come back in, man. That would have been that. It was a mini walker stare down. Yeah, I think uh, I think Bruno and Ennis went to the bench. <laughs> when you when you check back in, you give them a stare down. That you know that's yeah that, that yeah. almost happened. That I think happened. that was Detroit last year. Maybe I'm wrong. That sent the starters back into the game in another game. I think when Stevens was coach last year. Another weird Stevens moment. You talk about Little Caesars. Sherrod, I, I I think it was like a Grandy interview with Brad last year, and Brad was like, "Oh, I love Little Caesars. That's my favorite pizza." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> It's really not. It's it's not as bad as people think it is. I mean, it's, it's favorite <laughs> favorite pizza. No, I wouldn't go Whoa. so far as to put it. I wouldn't he put was, it on like when he was my, growing you know, up, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so when he was growing I, up. I, I wouldn't say Little Caesars gets like the gold medal with if you're having pizza competition Olympics or something like that. But uh, it's not bad. I mean, you could do worse. Yeah. You could do a lot worse. 
lot worse. Yeah, and and uh, and Springfield as a college kid, those five dollar pieces used to slap. Let me tell you. How's the how's <laughs> so, the, how's the not bad? How's the concessions, media food there in Detroit? I know you've uh... looks uh, again now, now. Now that is gold medal worthy. They they All are right. consistent. They are consistently on a podium when it comes to pregame food, uh, and and so that's yeah that that hasn't changed. And it, Detroit just in general, I I just enjoy. Uh, that's why you made the trip, here. huh? That's why yeah, you made the trip. I mean. I didn't make it just for the damn. I did, it wasn't for the, for the damn game solely. I had to have a little something extra than, than the game. But it, it was good to see the Celtics really, again, stick to the script that they've been using, and that is defend at a high level. Hopefully, you make some shots, but at the end of the day, make sure that if you're only going to make one impression, make that impression be at the defensive end of the floor. And it's, it's and Ime. He's been talking about that all season, and it really feels as though like the last month or so, they have not just bought into the concept, but actually bought into the execution of the concept. And that, that's, you know, it's part of their growth, part of their maturity. And it, it, I think it, it will make a very interesting, uh, it puts Brad Stevens in a very interesting dilemma with the trade deadline coming up. Yeah, they're, they're impenetrable at that end. And the only time you really see them start to slip up is when they're missing shots, they turn the ball over a little bit, uh, they're giving their opponents opportunities to break out and get them in the fast break or other than the uh, half court where they can really clog that paint. Uh, you saw in that Charlotte game, Terry just like going inside and turning back around to the perimeter. The only success that the Hornets were able to have in that game was when they got on the fast break. And I look back on the numbers, that was like a 24 to 10 advantage for Charlotte in that game on the break. Detroit, not a very fast team. They, they were unable to take advantage of the Celtics in that area. So the only times that they made their runs in this one were when the Celtics fouled, when they were turning the ball over, or when they had some empty possessions for a stretch there. I think that little push at the end of the third quarter, seven out of eight possessions where the Pistons had points there. Amadou Diallo. Laying his foot down on them a little bit in that spot. That was the only lapse that the Celtics like had in this one. He was good. Yeah, he's aggressive. Yeah, he was like really him. good. Really good. Uh, ex- exceptional on the boards. I mean, I thought he did a really good job just the entire game while he was out there making plays, rebounding the ball. But he's like a lot of young guys in this league. He, he fouls the hell out of, of people too damn much. He had like five fouls for the game. Uh, and that's their small cool. team. Yeah, they are. They're, they're a small team, and they're not very physical. They, they don't have a ton of guys that can really attack and get to the rim. They're a weird team. Uh, and, and when you have a guy like Cade not playing, you know, that yeah. only, to me, that, that only just spines a brighter spotlight. That looks like you, Sherrod. You make that trip to see a guy like that, don't you? Ugh. You know, I had a chance to see him during summer league, and I talked to him a little bit there. And I, I've been watching him play and just seeing his – progression as the season progressed and yeah I would have loved to have seen him because I think he's a hell of a player he's one of my favorite players coming into the draft uh, when you look at some of the things he was able to do at the college level in a very short period of time uh, it was clear that he was a next level player like week one of his college he's one of my favorite team. college players ever yeah his, yeah his year there was phenomenal yeah so he's it would have been nice to see him play but uh, to me you know this if you're Detroit you can't just assume you can just play half-ass even if they don't got the top two, top three players around. Uh, and, I, and I like the fact that they were able to put the smack down just like they did Miami the other night. With Miami, you know, they didn't have some of their core guys, and they were still able to win that convincingly. That's what you have to do. Take advantage of those breaks. Yeah, yeah. taking advantage yeah. of you like that all season. Why the hell can't you flip the table? Mm-hmm. Do the same. Well, that's what they did. Mr. Rod, let me, 
Let me ask you this, because this fourth quarter, I mean, is it just me or is this just another reminder? And I know we've been talking Chris about this. Chris Way is disgusted weeks, by this fourth quarter. No, is this just another reminder of how the whole, like, make way for the kids thing is just not the move for this other team? I mean, face well, Gerard, I- what, like, what, what, if we're talking about this other team, turn the quarter, which they are doing right now. We're talking about them going to, I don't know, second, third round of the playoffs, going into a deep playoff run. Do you see a, a way where – where, where they're not, you know, they're they're able to make that run with guys like you know the young guys playing, and, and if the Celtics were to sell off the the, the Schroders and the uh, and the Richardsons, you know, up, up was it four days or less than a week away from the deadline? I think the Celtics are in a position where what you saw in the fourth quarter is pretty much what you're going to see in heavier doses if you decide to go with the kids. They're just not ready. Uh, it's 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 that cut and dry. I mean, it, they're just not ready to help you do anything other than move closer to being a lottery team. That's their value. And if yeah. you wanna, if you want to get in the lottery, absolutely play the kids. You're gonna get right. there. They're gonna help you get there if that's what you want to do. But I don't think that's what Eme wants to do. I don't believe that's what Brad wants to do. Especially when you look at where the East is right now and just how basically get to the playoffs. It becomes any team's game at that point. There's such parity right now. When you look at the top three or four teams in the East are separated by like a game, and you look at teams, you know, where the Celtics are, they're only like maybe two or three games out of being, you know, fifth or sixth in the East. It, there is, I think, greater incentive to figure out what you need to do to win games than there is to figure out ways to get a higher pick. And the other thing too, and we, we haven't talked a ton about it, but I think it's, it's one of the realities of this team that I think fans don't want to embrace. And that is we're seeing for the first time all season, really the last few weeks, this is what this team was built to do. Mm-hmm. This is what, what Ime has when he has all the pieces that he was, that he thought he was going to have at the beginning of the season to play with. You look at how they're defending. You look at how they're getting timely shot making. You look at the emergence of Josh Richardson as probably their best, most consistent scorer off the bench. You look at Grant Williams, who, you know, I didn't think he had a particularly great game tonight, but I thought he did do some positive things. And that is his value. Someone who doesn't have to play great to still have a positive impact. And and Schroeder, I'm I'm still trying to figure out what the hell to do with him. Uh, He gets you points. Get him out of here. Ship him out. If there's one guy that you can look at and say, you know, we can probably pretty much do the same thing we're doing now. If he's not in the mix, he's probably that guy. Uh, and if you can, and if you can find a way to really flip him and get, frankly, a guy who can make shots or or a, a couple of second round picks or just something of value that you can move going forward, then you do that. I I, just, I don't think he's the guy that's going to really give you significant juice. And remember. He's only played about 15 or so minutes now. And, and, and that's, you know, if you think about Peyton Pritchard, you think about Romeo Langford, you tell me you can't, those guys can't keep the ship from sinking for 15 minutes a game? I don't Two? know, after tonight. <laughs> oh, I, I, but, but the thing you got to remember too, Bob. Against the damn it, Pistons. You got to remember that if they're on the floor, there's a high probability that Tate and or Brown will also be on the floor. So they're going to be playing with better players. And so Ime did get asked about this this morning. Um, mm-hmm. If a head of potential tinkering at the deadline, mm-hmm. he'd mix and match a little bit, maybe play Pritchard with some of right. those starting rotation units. And he said that's not in the cards. What he is putting out there now seems to be the plan, at least until Schroeder's gone. So we haven't seen Pritchard at all, I'd say, with these regular rotations right now. 
I guess the only blessing in disguise is that I looked at the bench rotations, mm-hmm. and the only bench unit that's really doing well for them right now is uh, Richardson, Schroeder, Grant, and Horford, uh, with I think it was Tatum mixed in there. So mm-hmm. everything else has been pretty shaky when it comes to Boston's second unit. Uh, so you're not really falling off that much. And I've said this too, like if you swap out Richard for Schroeder in that second unit, there's a chance it could be even better given the uh, shooting that he's able to put out there. But the problem is you haven't looked at it. You haven't tried that at all much this year. No, no Pritchard, no. I think, I think, hold on real quick, Sherrod. I think Pritchard for president or something along those lines should be like the Bobby t-shirt. Like when we come up <laughs> with this brand new gear, like, man, you were just like, I, I get it. I know you believe in the kid, but you really want to get this dude in the rotation. Huh? Like that's like the your Pritchard, mission. Yeah. Pritchard that was, rotation. that was the breakout. One way or another. That was my breakout prediction. Yeah. Yeah, out of all the young guys, up. and he's going to have to go out there and solidify that because right now it's Grant. Did any of us pick Grant as the breakout star among the young guys? I don't no. think any of us did. No. And, and, and it was, there really was no incentive to pick him because he was the one <laughs> of the young it. guys who showed the least promise as mm-hmm. early in his career. Does he get a most improved vote? I mean, it's kind of cr- He was he dribbling should. tonight. Did you see that full-court dribble play where he threw the lob to Rob? I think it was in the first quarter. The stuff he's doing, he's starting to, like, add layers yeah, every month or so here. Yeah, he, he, had a, he had a play where he caught the ball and did, like, a fake pass to Romeo and and then raised up. He didn't make the shot, but the fact that he's had the wherewithal to, to recognize if I just do a pump fake, get the defense to shift a little bit, maybe that'll give me a better look at the basket. He's starting to figure out how to be a contributor, and it's not in the way that, we saw early in the season where he's knocking down a corner three. And if he's not hitting that shot, he really wasn't healthy. But now right. he's become, I think, a little bit more engaged as a ball mover. I think his the way his fight around the rim now is better. I don't see him getting his ass tossed around nearly as much now as oh. I thought he was early in the season, which didn't make any sense to me because, you know, one of the reasons they drafted you was because of your strength, because you're, you know, you're an undersized guy, but you're strong. He's finally right. starting to flex that muscle on the glass, which is good to see. And, and again, he, he had no choice tonight because Isaiah Stewart is a damn monster. And I love it. I love that. Energetic. Dude. Absolutely love him. And Grant, to, to his credit, Grant didn't back down from the fight. Got his ass kicked, but he didn't back down from the fight. <laughs> what were you going to say about Pritchard? My fault. I cut you off. No, the thing about Pritchard is, is that – he is what I would call uh, a player who has to recognize his moments of opportunity to assert himself and establish himself. And I don't think he's done a good job of that all season. In fact, yes, I think I if, if, if there's one knock against him, I would say it's that his inability to make the most of the moment that he gets out there. Uh, I think he's a little bit too, uh, I'm just happy to be out there. I'm just going to pass yeah. the ball. And he's had stretches where he has recognized that, look, this guy is not guarding me. I can shoot. What the hell am I doing passing this to Jason Tatum, who's got a double team just waiting to attack him when I got a wide-open jump shot? Let me raise up and knock it down. He's doing more of that. Uh, Romeo, I thought, looked a lot more confident when he was out there. Um, but, the, again, with, it's one thing to be confident against the end-of-the-bench guys on the Detroit Pistons. It's another thing to have that same level of confidence when you got Jimmy Butler staring at you, when you got you know guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who you, you're trying to slow down because your dance are not going to stop. Stu, is that his nickname, Beef Stew? <laughs> Isaiah Stewart? That's yeah, among the is. many nicknames that he's got. Yeah, I just prefer to... I saw that. Yeah, I, I just like to think of him as just the ultimate ass kicker. All right, just want to remind everybody about our exclusive wagering partner, Bet Bet Online would like to wish you a happy 
new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code CLNS50 to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, your Vegas favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Once again, that promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Um, Beef stew. That's an underrated dinner. Because I am, I am, look, I, I it don't is want that smoke. I don't want any of that smoke. There, there's like a handful of guys in the league where I just will not. You can't put, pay me enough to go at them. He's one of them. He put himself on the map with that uh, skirmish with LeBron earlier in the year. That was. Well, uh, the, the funny thing about Damn, that, Bobby, though, you got me thinking about beef stew now. My dad doesn't... makes a really good beef stew. <laughs> also, so now, so now your dad's in it. So, also now we got to talk about Joe Sway's dad, Mister. Yo, Mr. that Mr. beef Chef. stew. You got me thinking Chef about the Joe beef stew. Chef Joe Sway RD. <laughs> Chef Joe Sway RD is in the house. Okay. Now I, Isaiah Stewart, he's just a physical, physical player, and, and, and it was good to see the Celtics handle that. I mean, obviously Stewart had a seventeen rebound store. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he had a big game, but you didn't feel as though he was dominating. Uh, those are good numbers, but they weren't – he didn't dominate. He was not the best player on the floor with his rebounding, uh, which which is a credit to the Celtics because, again, I thought they had so many different levels and layers of guys that were able to make an impact. Uh, Jason Tatum, I, I tweeted this out, but, I mean, he was in his AAU Let's bag for stretches. I mean, Tatum was – I mean, the dunks, the hanging on the – and anyone who's who spent time around AAU – type games knows that when guys get like a nice dunk, there's like another second or two that they hang on the rim to make sure everyone in case you want to take a picture, you can you can do that now. I'm still in the rim and then they let it go. Tatum had like two or three dunks like that. Uh, Rob Williams had at least two like that. One where I thought I was afraid Rob was going to hurt himself because it looked like he pulled himself up a little bit before he let, let go. Um, but this, this was a very uh, convincing win, even if the final score might, t- might say otherwise. It was. It was a slow start for Tatum, though. I believe he shot 2-9 and nine before he went on that 7-12 of 12 stretch in the third quarter with 19 points there. And showing showing a crowd. Obviously, Stewart was physical on the interior. Some guys were ripping the ball away from him. Corey Joseph had a pretty good play on his post up early on. And mm-hmm. a lot of guys just bothering him around the rim. And that's still the story of his season to me, is if he can get to the rim, he can establish himself at the basket, he's going to have an outstanding game. If he's uh, shown a crowd, multiple bodies in there, zone, uh, guys pack the paint against him and force him to pass it, that's where he starts to struggle a little bit and get frustrated. He got teed up at one point, Brown did mm-hmm. two in this game. Mm-hmm. And it's another night where, yes, he finished strong, but I thought there was a lot to be left desired especially against a team like this from Tatum and Brown uh, not their most spectacular nights this is a night where you would expect them to go out and combine for 60 and listen Tatum worked through it Brown had more of a pedestrian night I thought in the end it's a good one for Tatum but he really struggled early on I thought no these are the kind of games where at least one or two guys in your second unit should be the best player on the floor this is a game where Josh Richardson should have gone off for like 25 or, or Schroeder should because Tatum and Brown, you know, disrespect to Detroit, but they're too good for you. Yeah. You can't, you, you really too can't, big. You can't. They're too big. They're too long. They're too talented. And, and frankly, I, 
I was impressed that those guys didn't just kind of put it in cruise control. Uh, for the, like like Jalen, I thought was very aggressive, almost too aggressive. Well, you know, almost he was. He was too aggressive early on. Uh, I felt as if he was trying to prove a point that y'all didn't pick me for the All Star team, so I'm gonna go out and get 20 in the first quarter. And I, I didn't really like the way he was playing. Tatum, I thought, was just knocking down shots because they couldn't guard him. Uh, and so Tatum, I thought he went to heat check mode a little bit earlier than he normally does. But again, I can't be mad at him for that because he's looking in front of him and he's seeing the same thing I'm seeing, a dude that can't guard me. And so what do you do when a dude can't guard you? <laughs> you give him the business. And, and Tatum, yeah. I thought, was looking to do that early and often. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, they, they got a win against a team that they were supposed to beat. And they played, I thought, as they put relatively close to the blueprint for success that they're going to have to use if they're going to keep making their way up the, the standings in the East. Yeah, especially during the stretch, right? I mean, this is when you got to take advantage of these matchups. And right now with the way these guys are playing and the, as a cohesive unit, I mean, that's exactly what you have to do. I'm just happy that we didn't get that, that side of, Tatum and Brown, where Brown does that, and then Tatum's, all right, well, I guess it's my turn, you know? No, they, they stayed with the system, you know? Tatum was aggressive. You know, you saw them going downhill a lot, what you want to see in the offense, and taking advantage of those missed shots that 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 Detroit was throwing up, man. There was a lot of bricks in that first quarter, especially, yeah. well, the first half altogether, but specifically in that first quarter. And they, they capitalized on that, so that was good. Yeah. Good win. Uh, anything else from this one? I know Tatum had a strong game, a little bit left to be desired. Rob, I thought, was outstanding. We haven't done a Rob segment in a little while, but he still continues to knock off these games. Um, nice alley-oop from Smart there. Him and Smart combined well throughout this game. I believe he caught about four lobs, which was pretty good. Rebounding remains strong. Passing. Him and Horford were both getting involved in that part of the game early on, and the blocks just keep piling up for him. I, I checked before this game, and he is tied for fourth in block percentage in the league. Uh, Celtics second in blocks overall since the new year began new year's eve with that win over phoenix so they continue to be menacing and listen he's awesome on offense we've always known that but defensively they put him in this nice role where he's behind horford when horford's covering the pick and roll in different plays in the middle of the floor and horford can just come help side and reject stuff and his block numbers have just exploded since uh you may put him in that role well the thing about rob that i think really kind of gets glossed over is is that he does so many amazing things and yet he's not this over-the-top exuberant y'all see what i'm doing every night right type of guy he's not that's he's almost too humble he's almost too humble and and jason and jason tatum talked a little bit about that you know this morning before the game specifically about how you know he believes rob is going to be an all-star probably sooner rather than later but in the same breath, he's not sure Rob believes that. And, and, and to me, when you think about NBA players, they're, they are the largest collection of irrationally confident mofos you will ever find on the planet. They don't they believe – I mean, look, they could average like 1.2 points and they'll tell you to your face and be straight that I should be a five-time All-Star by year six. Uh, they're that, they have that kind of irrational confidence. And yet Rob is complete opposite of that. He, he seems like a guy that's just happy – to be in the league, but understands that as he gets older, his level of responsibility increases. The need for him to be an impact player increases, but I don't get the sense that he's thinking, damn, I'm like almost there to be an all-star. Because if you start looking around the East and you just kind of narrow it down to the top five centers. Tatum was talking about him as an all-star, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you start, you start looking at where he fits into the pecking order of Eastern Conference centers. 
I mean, obviously, Joel Embiid is ahead of him. I, I would say Vucevic is a bit ahead of him. Uh, I would say our, our Jared, our, Allen. Jared Allen is ahead of him. Sabonis. But, Sabonis. But when you start talking about the top, like maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine, when you get to that like five through nine range, that's where he could potentially enter the equation. And remember, unlike those other guys, he's playing with not one, but two all-stars. So his chances of really standing out are lessened because he's got such dominant, high-impact guys that he's playing with. Uh, I, like, you know, as, as good as Jared Allen is, uh, I don't know if his, his numbers would be all that much better than Rob's if he were in the Celtics roster. I think they would be. No. But, but would they be significantly better than what he's doing? He's a stat stuffer. He is. He is, but he's a stat stuffer who is in a role there where there's basically one other guy that gets buckets for your team. Yeah. So – in the yeah. you got you got at least two, and you know they don't just get buckets. They're like top ten, top fifteen scores in the NBA get buckets. No disrespect to Garland, who's doing a hell of a job and deserved to be an All Star this year, no question. But he ain't getting you twenty five a night. He ain't that that he, he's good, but he ain't that damn good right now. I love that quote Smart said after the Hornets game too. He said, "You're gonna beat me up for being one of the best defenders out there." He said to Rob, "Keep going." Even Smart thinks, yeah, this guy could be better than me. And Smart's one of those irrationally confident guys, Sherrod. He, he is, sees he it, is. too. And I, and I love that. Well, uh, well, I've always thought Rob is the kind of guy who surprises himself. And I feel like year after year, mm-hmm. that continues, whether it's the passing or whether it's the his high IQ, quite frankly. I mean, his basketball IQ, I feel like he's finding that out about himself. You know, he's going through those moments. And I thought that this past offseason was very significant. Uh, he talked about that a lot during media day. He talked about how thrilled he was that Al Horford was back. You know, he shared with everyone that Al was a, played a big part in his rookie season, played a big part in teaching him things that uh, he didn't always particularly focus on, you know, as a player. And I think all that is relevant. You know, I think Rob is really coming into his own. And, you know, when guys like Tatum talk about him, I, I think that's that's relevant too. You know, I, I love the way Tatum talked about it today too with, when he, when he said all those kind words and said that he, he does think he has the potential to be an all-star, to be like a Rudy Gobert of the league, you know, a, a future uh, Rudy Gobert. And he's like, man, I feel like I'm always getting asked about Tatum. And I feel like Tatum didn't say that as like he was annoyed by it, but he's just like, man, like that's how good this kid is. That's how much he's developing and everyone is noticing it. And it's not just me anymore. The secret's out. And I think all that bodes well for this team and their attitude, you know, knock on wood, barring any injuries, uh, it, it's it's – exactly what you want to see for this team at this point in the season because let's face it we're well past the halfway mark you know i know we're not even uh oh i guess we're somewhat close to the all-star game but that's still past the halfway mark the the way the the way the schedules are played out nowadays so this is huge you know this is this is exactly the the the, the time for the Celtics to be uh striding the way they are right now and this is a winning streak now i guess we could say that right it's officially a winning streak yep they uh four games over 500 which is Surprising place for them to be. To keep rolling. They got Orlando. Has that happened before? It's about season? damn time. Yeah. I don't think it's happened this season. It's been no, I think there was a there was a win streak late last year where they got to that mark. Um, but not, besides, this no, not this year. Yeah, but not this year. They've never been four games over five hundred. I don't think. No, they haven't. They've been under more often than they've been above. So it's a good good stretch. The schedule has softened out. They've been fully healthy. I still wonder how this team's going to sustain an injury if that comes up. Uh, the depth does not look great on this squad right now, especially if they end up moving out Schroeder, and that's another conversation we can have, but there's a ton of other stuff more urgently going around today, and I think the one everybody got, looked at was the first trade, first blockbuster of deadline season. Uh, Blazers dumping out their depth, giving those wings over the Clippers. Clippers got a big win over the Lakers last night. And this is a guy we talked about 
potentially landing in Boston, helping their wing depth and Norman Powell, Robert Covington, an expiring contract guy that can help. That's where this deal probably got a little expensive for Boston's liking. Uh, plus you take on, if you're the uh, Blazers on that end, Eric Bledsoe, Winslow, and I guess a promising guy in Keon Johnson. I don't know a ton about him. Usually I'm up on my rookies, but he's a guy that they really liked in this deal. And I thought most stunningly of all, the Clippers only give up a second round pick here to get yeah, a guy like Powell. That's what really kind of crazy. Kind of chafed, chafed me in, in this whole deal was that they didn't get a first round pick out of this. Because Stunning. You, you just look at what they were giving up talent wise and you look at what they could have. I don't, I just don't think you give up a player that good and don't get a first round pick, but especially when you are sending a very clear signal that you are looking to rebuild going forward. Uh, you, right. you, re, you reboot with first round picks, even if they're, even if they are, you know, conditional picks where if they fall within a certain, you know, protection, they they become two second round picks. I don't care. Give me something of value beyond a second round pick. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I thought that's not getting a first round pick really tilted the deal, in my opinion, significantly in the clip in LA's favor. Yeah, you know, I, I can't help but wonder if there was just too much talk around those guys and it was one of those deals where they said, look, we need to do this now or it's going to be long gone. You know, take it or leave it type of thing because I'm, I'm with you. I can't understand why you wouldn't, you know, uh, force that. <laughs> like, look, first mm-hmm. first rounder or nothing because that's what that's the situation that we're in right now and that's why valuable, you know, these pieces are. Man, I, I'm surprised that they were able to get away with I that. I love Powell. Yeah, he's pushing 30, but he's a guy who has had some monster offensive games in his uh, time. And he's a good shooter, versatile wing, a little short at 6'3". He's not like a Tatum Brown size wing there, but gives you some secondary playmaking. He was my favorite guy coming to Boston that potentially this deadline. So he was, I was not mine. He was not mine. Not even I was better. really frustrated to see this this afternoon, but there's a big money thing at play here, as there always yeah. is, right? Like, they get off, uh, I think it's about $26 million here between those two guys. Covington was expiring, uh, mm-hmm. but Powell was signed for a long time. They like Anthony Simons, and Bledsoe has, like, a partial guarantee next year. So Richardson, if you were doing, like, a comparable trade from the Celtics side, it would be something like Richardson, uh, Neesmith or Lankford, and... I guess you could throw in like Ennis's contract or something in there um, in that Winslow role. So, you know, the talent's fairly comparable there, but this wasn't a talent thing for the Blazers. They just want to get off this money and there's more guaranteed money in the second year of Richardson than there is with Bledsoe here. Bledsoe will be an interesting buyout guy too in this sense. But if you're Boston and you give up a first round pick in this deal, yeah, maybe the Blazers stay a little bit higher over the tax there. You send out less money. I haven't done the full churning of the math here. The Clippers were definitely in a position to take on more money than the Celtics were because the Lord knows they're tax averse right now. Um, but this is a guy that could have really helped the Celtics, I thought. Shooting, playmaking, um, you know, size on the perimeter, allow them to play three wings. He would have brought all these different things. Now, do you bring back Covington too? Then that deal gets really expensive. So that's another advantage that the Celtics probably didn't have here. Well, well Bobby, one thing you, you touched on, and I, I think it's, it's going to be worth monitoring going forward, is who gets bought out. Uh, and Because and, to me, if, if you're the Celtics, the perfect storm would be to move a guy like Schroeder, get maybe a late first or maybe multiple second-round picks, and then pick up a guy off the heat like a, a you know like Bledsoe. Or, you like that idea? John did earlier too. I, that's I what's gonna happen. I love I that. That's I mean, what's gonna happen. Well, yeah. when you think when you think about the Celtics and, and just the moves that they make in season, they they seem to be at their best when they're getting guys who 
are just available. Uh, oh and, man, and Eric Bledsoe would be fit in their mold. <laughs> I, I mean, I, listen, I not a bad rental. I'm not a huge Bledsoe fan, but to your point, Joe Sway, if he's a rental and I'm getting him for like basically minimum wage, I'm liking that. It's it's the difference between basically, um, you know, do I have a choice in buying this really expensive vehicle or do I get this hoopy that can get me from point A to point B for no money? If so, I'm going to get from point A to point B, then boom, I'll take the cheap hoopy. Bledsoe yeah. is an interesting guy. I have never been a fan. I thought the Bucks getting off him was a massive Genius. win for them. Genius. Genius. <laughs> then the Pelicans like made a big deal to get off of him. The Grizzlies made a big deal to get off of him. Pa- now, he's just getting passed and, around, man. Now yeah. here go the Clippers. I mean, early in the year, the Clippers fans were going crazy. They were like, can we stop Lou from playing this guy somehow? And he actually ended up getting better later in the year, close to this deal, to the point where I saw a lot of Clippers fans today like, Ooh, was Bledsoe. Should we have given him up? Because now we don't have a backup point guard. That's why I, I thought it was say... so funny, man. When, I, when we were out in uh, L.A., that's why I thought it was so funny. They had a, a, a post-game uh, happy birthday interview or something, I guess With they were him? doing. As a, yeah, as a promotion. Remember, I'm trying to do the post-game show, and all of a sudden, all these fans come back into the stands. He comes out. It's a huge ovation. I had to go move. And then I ran to Marcus Smart, but anyways, yeah, I thought it it's was gonna so be so funny that they would give that to him because I, I, you know, people people haven't been crazy about him, right? The fans weren't crazy about Bledsoe, but yeah. If you swap out Schroeder, if you swap out Schroeder and you bring in Eric Bledsoe, Bledsoe's immediately gonna have that Schroeder target on his back. He's gonna be the guy coming in shooting one of seven from three, uh, you know, not spacing the floor at all next to Smart. There's some things I like about him, Shirai, but man, I think he's a good defender. He is a great defender. Yeah, and, that's and, what and he brings I, to the table. And, and when you look at the way the Celtics are playing now, if you add another guy along those lines coming off that second unit, uh, if Josh Richardson can continue to just be that solid scoring force that he's been, and Grant continues to give you a little this, little that, yeah, you add a, you add a guy that brings a different dimension to the to the table. But you know, to, to the to the point that that a lot of fans are making, and I, I'm totally in on this. I think they need to get another score. I think they need to get a guy who can actually get you buckets. I think you need to get a guy like Terrence Ross in Orlando. I think you need to get a guy whose pedigree in the league is established, and that pedigree is they get buckets. Paul's that guy, 19 points per game. Yeah, but Paul's uh, too damn expensive. I mean, you, yeah, you, you, you yeah. bring Paul. Paul was that guy a few years ago. Yeah, you bring guy. him yeah. into the mix. You're talking about someone who you envision as being one of your top three players, part of your big three. Uh, really, because I mean that's the role that they were kind of looking at him in Portland. When you look at CJ and you look at Dame, but here, no, your big three is pretty clear. It's Tatum, it's Brown, and it's Rob. And if you don't believe me, ask the best player, Tatum, who can't stop talking about Rob. Um, I'm pretty sure at some Tatum probably wakes in the middle of night thinking about Tatum. That lob to Rob was nice. Uh, that, block shot, game. that block shot was nice. Okay. Rob. Rob is that guy. I mean, he he has become the favorite player of your best player. Yeah. And you don't mess with that. You don't. You just, just don't. Saying, he's, your, he's your favorite player's favorite player. I like that. Powell's, <laughs> Powell's last game in a Blazers uniform, 10 to 20, 30 points, five rebounds. And that's with him, like, how all the pressure on him out there with Lily and others done. He'd be I'm playing not gonna, off Tatum I'm not gonna cherry. I'm not going to cherry pick because we can play that game. Evan Fournier, he can drop 30 on you and drop three the next game. This is like, yes, yes. So. This, That's this why is like when a, you bring up Fournier, Bobby. That's why this is a like, premium version of Fournier, right? You don't here. remember oh. the bad. You don't yeah. remember the bad. 
There was a lot yeah. of bad with uh, Fournier, but that's why I'd like an upgrade version here in Powell. He'll be great for the Clippers here. This is an outstanding trade for them. I think uh, he'll be easy win, the I think. He's off the table, great. though. He's off the table for the Celtics. Though. He's yeah, off the so table. So, so now we move, we move on. Um, this is an interesting one today. I like from, Terrence Ross, though. Terrence Ross. From, uh, this is probably the guy you would have given up in a potential Powell deal in terms of money. Josh Richardson. Uh, Schroeder certainly on the block. I think everyone's available on the Celtics. Or at least I did until Heavy.com, Joe Sway's site there, Steve Bopet. Another bombshell like report today saying that Richardson not necessarily on the trade block. They like him. He's got that second-year extension. Uh, he's their salary if they want to get anything done around the edges of the roster, but he has played well in recent yeah. weeks. He's had some real nice closing stretches of games. I remember that next game we were at, Sherrod. Uh, the Hornets game that he closed out with the starters there. And hey, him in for Horford with the starters, plus 26 for 100. So that is looking yeah. like an effective closing unit for Boston right now. And he's obviously a big part of their depth too. I think what's underrated with him as well is if you trade uh, if you trade Schroeder, he's probably your backup point guard essentially, mm-hmm. which we haven't seen him do a lot this year, but it is something he's capable of. I just find it interesting, and I am going to pull up the article, Joe Sway, but not on the block. I mean... Like, you got to give up somebody if you're going to make a trade here at the deadline. And I like Richardson. He's been a pleasant surprise. I did not like the player coming into Boston, but I've been sold since the way he's played this year and his personality and other things that he's brought. It's just, I'm not I'm not buying that he's untouchable or anything like that. I don't think you would call him untouchable, Bobby, but I think the, what's most important to point out is that he's now shooting 41% from behind the arc. They're not looking to dump him, I guess, is what he's saying. Well, yeah. no, I think what he's saying is things things have changed, you know? And, yeah, they're not looking to dump him. He's not, like, at the top of the list of guys that they need to trade or sell. I think this is exactly what they wanted to see out of him, but they didn't get that consistency up until this point. Now, the fact that he's shooting 41%, he's challenging Grant Williams, you know, for the, as the best three-point shooter on, on this team. I mean, that's exactly was part of that extra year. If you're Brad Stevens, you were like, look, okay, we're bringing this guy in. Let's tack on an extra year because we think he's going to pop. We think he's going to revert to being that guy who who we saw in uh, Miami. And it, it was late, but that's what we're seeing now. He's finally reached that plateau of, of connecting on, you know, over 40% of his three-pointers. And right now, I think he's dialed in. I think he's committed. I think, you know, we talked about this a couple of nights ago. I think it's a matter of now you got to motivate Richardson, and now that translates on the defensive end of the floor where the Southerns can need – Southerns have been solid on that on that end but they could need all the extra help that they could get. And I think having him focused right now and dialed in and, and, and if the Celtics are on the verge of going into the playoffs with the same sort of momentum, I think he's going to be a big part of that. Call him a culture guy, if you will, which is something that we would have never said two months ago, but I think he's sort of flourished into that guy. And you're seeing that, you know, he's on his feet a lot. He's cheering on his teammates. You know, he's uh, always smiling out there. I, I think he's a good fit for what this culture is and, and, and what he made rebuilds in that locker room. Bullpet wrote, teams that thought Richardson might be very available are finding that's not necessarily the case. Uh, he points out the Fournier exception, the Thompson exception, are most expected to be used as trade tools when the offseason arrives and teams have a better idea of where they are and where they are not. So Bullpet went among many, painting a quiet picture this deadline for this team, which I don't love. I mean, would you rather have Richardson right now who, listen, I've been sold on. Or a guy like Harrison Barnes, who this team's been connected to for a long time and Damn has it, multiple Bobby. years on his contract. Could you stop aiming high at these expensive op- options, man? That's another one. Sherrod, hey. what do you think? 
I, I think I think Bobby's that kid who, if you say Bobby, we're gonna go to the store and, and get everyone's get, riding high off the streak right now. You know, Bobby's all all about going to Roof Chris, and when we say let's go get something to eat, Bobby wants to go to like Roof Chris and, and, and some shit like that. Um, <laughs> no, but yep. here's a, this this is the thing though. This is this is the thing that, that happens every time this this time of year. The team that starts playing well before you the gotta pay for good food, Sherrod. You're gonna end up yeah, at Mickey right. D's. Yeah, see, it's like when your mom tells you, all right, we're coming in here, but don't ask you for nothing, all right? Like, that's what right. I tell Bobby. That. <laughs> They're playing better, and Josh Richardson, I mean, if you're being honest, he's been your best source of offense off the bench. And if you were to move him, even if you got another guy who, let's say, is, is a scorer, there's still intangibles that he brings to the table that if you're the boss of Celtics, you don't necessarily want to part with. Uh, he fits in well with your Jays. They like him. They like the role that he plays. He has become a very reliable three-point shooter, which is something he could never say about him previously. And, and maybe to me most important, uh, he wants to be here. And I, I think that that's something that for Boston specifically needs to be stressed. When you get guys here who play well and they want to be here. that is, That's why, I mean, you look at just the evolution of Marcus Smart over the last, like, two, three weeks, there's no doubt he wants to be here. There's no doubt about that. And and so when you have guys who play well and they clearly want to, they're invested in your organization, invested in the culture, you have to think long and hard before breaking that up. You only, to me at that point, you have to, if you're going to break it up, you have to break it up because of the talent you're getting back. You have to, you right. break, because the talent is so great that even if they're not a natural fit in your culture, they're so good that you're still going to win games. Like you want to add to that, right? Yeah. You want to add to him. Like you don't know how good Clay Thompson is going to be for the rest of the season, but if you had a chance to add him to the mix, you did. We'll do it. You absolutely do it. <laughs> right. Absolutely, yeah. will do it. Twenty-five out of twenty-five times. So again, I, I like I like what Josh Richardson is giving, and it makes sense for them to not want to part ways with him. But but let, let me be clear about something though, and this is something I think a lot of people, I think they get it twisted. Just because they're not making calls to say that they're open to trading him doesn't mean that they're not open to trading him. They're still going to take calls. It's not like teams are going to call them and say, hey, can we talk about Josh Richardson? They're going to say, no, we can't talk about that. (laughs) How how dare you bring him up? Yeah, right. How do you bring up our seventh man and, and try, try to? Get I wouldn't him sell him. No, I wouldn't. If someone even you, calls and offers you a first, tempting. Depends you, what kind of first it is, obviously. But my point is, you have to take that phone call. Yeah. You have to take that text. You have to address that. You don't just say, "Nope, he's not available." And that's why, right. the, the, to me, that there's only a handful of players throughout the NBA that, as we get close to the trade deadline, you know without question they ain't going anywhere. Chris Paul is not going anywhere. LeBron James is not going anywhere. Anthony Davis probably isn't going anywhere, but to me, he's not untouchable. He's, there's, there's so few guys in the NBA that you can look at and say without a shadow of a doubt that that guy is not on the trading block. And, and James just, Harden, we'll get to him in a minute. Oh, that's a great he, segue, Bobby. You should have used that one. He is available. <laughs> no, I want to stick on this for just one more minute. I, I hope people aren't getting too high off the streak here because if we talked – Two, three weeks ago, everyone would be saying, oh, Richardson, let's try to get something better there. People were more open to moving smart back then. Uh, this team has turned it around, but I don't feel like they are suddenly 
East contenders here. I don't think their ceiling is necessarily even above the first round at this point. You know, you're still a nine seed here, even at 10 out of 14 coming in. And I'm not sure where they are exactly after tonight, uh, but they're still in that play in picture right now. Uh, there's still a number of talented teams that could really push you in those spots. So there's still going to be a desire among this front office to improve here. And Richardson's one of the guys that I think you can do better than. You know, I would love to have a Barnes-type guy over him. If it takes a pick, go ahead and do it. But you're sending out salary, you're matching it, you're staying below the tax. There's ways to do this from a financial standpoint that don't make you, uh, you know, do a heist on Wick's wallet uh, before the season ends here. And Richardson's salary is a big part of that. I Listen, I've been impressed. I haven't been blown away by Richardson. He's been unavailable at times. Um, I think you're getting a little bit of fool's gold with the three-point percentage. I mean, this guy is not a 41% three-point shooter. He had that massive streak in the other game that, again, gave him a boost there. So I'm looking at this team right now, and they're playing well, but – like, what's their potential here? Like, who are they really going to push in the East with this group, even playing as well as they are right now? You still see the lapses offensively. They struggled in that second quarter tonight, just scoring 18 points against a really bad defense. The game still looks so hard for Brown and Tatum in terms of spacing. So you got to have some incentive, or, you know, urgency here to upgrade this roster. You can't just look at yourself going on a little stretch here, especially as inconsistent as this group has said, and say, this is the group. I mean, I look at this roster right now, and I can't be satisfied with what they have right now still, even though everyone's playing in their roles and settling down a little bit. They need some help, especially with Joe Sway said, off the bench. Uh, you know, that group leaves a lot to be desired, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and that's the big concern with this group is, is that second unit. To me, they are the Achilles heel of this roster. Uh, they, they're the, the group that I am most concerned with. But here's the flip side to that. The Celtics are basically, what, three and a half, I think like three and a half games out of the number three spot in the East. Right. That's what I mean, I'm about to get into. Yeah. I mean, that's literally like having – But they're playing some crap half. teams right now. But, Bobby, the conference is cratering right now. Like, yes. This is, this is the crack Their the, schedule is getting tougher. The Celtics this, is getting easier. I think that the, the, the thing – that the Celtics right. were waiting on. Yeah, and I think, you know? Bobby, the concern is, to me, what how, what is this team going to be able to do in the playoffs? Because I do think that even if they stood course, because of the, the way they're hitting the crapitude section – of their season, they're going to win a lot of games. They're going to win a lot more games than, than they're going to lose. And that's going to allow them to potentially get a higher seed. But what's the goal time. of this season? That's still my question. See, what's the direction I, here? What, what are they trying to accomplish? I, I think they, I think at this point, compete. yeah. I, compete? And then what? <laughs> you know, you're middle of the conference. You haven't really upgraded the roster this, here. This is what you want to do, Bobby. This is what you want to do. You want to be able to compete night in, night out with whoever the hell you put out there. You want Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to continue to evolve and develop and, and just magnify their ability to lead this team going forward. You want to have salary cap flexibility, which is why you're open to moving guys at the trade deadline and this offseason, a la Al Horford. Uh, and you maybe most important, you want to make sure that all those things that we're talking about, everyone that matters to this organization understands those things, are on the same page with those things, and are rowing in that direction. That's what you want out of the season. And we, you know, the early portion of the schedule didn't really allow that because you had guys injured. You have guys in health and safety protocol. You really didn't know. But if you get a guy injured again, this group's in trouble, I think. Yeah, you're, 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 back, you're back to where you were back in November, December. There's no yeah. question about you. And especially if it's one of your top three or four guys. Because, I mean, to uh, me, right now, there's three, there's three guys that, in my mind, 
you can't afford them to miss any games of significance. It's one thing if it's a game here or there just for either rest or whether it's like a little bump or bruise, but there are three guys that you cannot afford to lose any more time with this year. Yeah, you know what, Bobby? I, I, I think we're we're all not naive enough to, 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 to think that this team is a championship contender or at least a team that can win the East. But what they do have right now is momentum. And you couple that with the fact that the, the conference is cratering. You got the Brooklyn Nets falling apart, man. They're talking about potentially trading, you know, one of their most consistent guys this year, Durant's hurt. I think this is a great time for the Celtics to capitalize. But at the same time, you don't want to sacrifice enough talent or too much talent that you end up not being able to compete on the on the back end of the regular season. Now, someone like Josh Richardson is, is interesting because you had that extra year. So does it make sense for them to, to bring in a rental, essentially trying to replace him and hoping that it's going to better the second unit? I wouldn't do a rental, top no. guys. Right, but I, I think you have to remember that he, he wouldn't be a rental for another team, right? I, I think having him on the books for another year could turn out to be a good thing for the Celtics. And, and, and I think when you when you look forward to – what this team can do at the trade deadline, whether it's a buyout option or whether it's bringing in someone that can help you. In Listen, that I, I like I like Richardson. I like Richardson. I love Barnes. And you know, we'll get to then some other names too. I saw a couple people talking about. Yeah, but like right now, other... Bobby, you're trying to instill a culture. Like you're trying to this quote unquote bridge. Is Richardson part of their? I guess he's part of their culture. I think like... he is. I, I just think I just think again, Bobby. You, you're thinking about like. You're thinking about putting together a championship team within the next six, five days. Like, I, it's just not going to happen like that, you know? And I think no, right I'm now, not. Most I of, just think you're I several think steps of, away. Right. Which is just where we, we always thought this team was going to be. I mean, we didn't, we never expected this team to be a championship contender, and nor did we expect it to, to, to turn into that overnight. But we, what we didn't expect was this 500 team throughout the course of the entire season, essentially. So now that you finally found some momentum, you want to keep the guys that are instilling that culture. You want to keep the guys that are going to keep that message flowing and guys who are locked in, you know, and, and look, I don't want to go on a tirade about why this team cannot trade uh, Josh Richardson, but I just think, again, it, it's, it's about trying to help one of the few options you have off the bench, trying to strengthen that bench. And if it means training Schroeder and a young guy or Schroeder and a, and a second rounder and a young guy to, to, you know, help consolidate that bench and bring in a guy that's going to be a weapon to who can score, who can defend, then I'm all for it. I, I want yeah. to see this roster better after the deadline than what we see now, but I'm not ready to say let's you know this just have to go out and get someone that's like a 17 point score. You know I don't think that's it. If if you could do Richardson, Schroeder, and a first for Barnes, throw Neesmith in there maybe as the money or whatever, just a throwing guy. You're not doing no. it. No, I'm not giving him a first and all that other time. Yeah, because Bobby, that's no. your squad after that. Like that's Hell your no. squad. That's it. Like Hell you really no. tied yourself to that to that core. If I'm going to give them both of those guys, I'm not giving them a pick. In fact, hell, I want a pick in return. We dreamt of the Celtics finally having a roster where you could throw some guys into deals and get stuff done. And now guys are falling in love with Richardson no, no, and Rob no, 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 and Smart. And... The, kids, the kids didn't do their part, okay? They didn't develop. And that's not on them. Maybe that's just... That's just who they are, right? The Pritchards and the Romeos and the Neesmen. They haven't developed yet. That's quite frankly just what it boils down to. You know, the the, the Grant Williamses and the, you know, Robert Williams, I guess. And I feel like we have to go a few years back. I mean, those guys are locked in right now to the rotation, whereas those other guys I just mentioned, they're still fine for a spot, you know? 
So I guess the Schroeder thing, I, I've heard a couple of things, um, you know, bouncing around from him over the last couple of weeks here. Um, Bulls are interested. Uh, you know, you could potentially get Troy Brown back for him, who's, you know, fine. He's he's not Schroeder. He's just a guy to fill that spot. Um, he's no bar. Some savings, yeah. So that would just essentially be a dump right there to Chicago. Um, the Clippers are already seeing the market now for a backup point guard, so you would look at them potentially uh, taking on Schroeder in that spot. And I actually like the idea that Sherrod brought up, you know, now that I've thought about it a little bit. Bledsoe for pennies, although you'd really run into some frustrating lineups late in games, I'll warn you on that one. Um, wouldn't oh, be he's a not bad be pickup, there. especially especially with this team's identity. Yeah, you could potentially sit him on a minimum deal late in games, yeah. different situation I mean, than he, what he's he, been yeah. in. Yeah, you're not going to – I if I'm watching him play key minutes in the fourth quarter, it means probably they're losing badly or they've got a huge lead. Um, I, I, I don't see him being put in a position where he has to play a pivotal role. But, again, that's assuming, and it's a big assumption, that he's going to get bought out and he'll be looking to, to go somewhere and try to reestablish his value. Uh, that's what that would be about. And there'll be minutes from here, which are always valuable if he's trying to restore his value and uh, yeah. getting in getting a place that fits him a little bit. But there's also ring-chasing opportunities, too, for him, and that is not this team. So. Right. And he knows that, right? We'll see where that goes. That's the Celtics' latest big one tonight, though. We got to talk about this before we get out of here. Uh, the Athletic Shams. I've been listening to the experts on this. You know, the people that are in the know, low. You know, the mismatch, others, reporters around the NBA, Windhorse, all these other people. And this has been talked about like it's real for a little while now to the point where last week, two weeks ago where I rolled my eyes and said, this is just the Sixers pumping up the Simmons tires, you know, Shams dropping tonight that this could happen is a real alarm setter around the NBA. I think right now Um, you could potentially see according to Shams Simmons go to Brooklyn and not Kyrie. This was like the fake trade we threw around early in the season, the Kyrie Simmons swap, James Harden, go to Philadelphia, where he was originally supposed to end up in the original Harden trade, Simmons going down to Houston. Well, now Simmons would join Durant and Kyrie in Brooklyn, be that defensive anchor, the passer to connect everything there, and Harden would pair with MB to create what I called like a Kobe Shaq light there in Philadelphia. I mean, that team would be terrifying immediately, throwing Harden in the mix as their lead ball handler there. Not to mention Curry, Maxi, all this other stuff that they have, and Embiid being the MVP front runner. Um, what uh, scares so me that's here... that's why you want the Celtics to get Harrison Barnes so much. Now I get it. Yes, I mean, it is about to get real in the East. So, he, <laughs> here's the thing. I don't bank on this happening this week but there's real momentum toward this happening in the summer and it makes sense for both teams which is the really scary part here now i am no simmons fan but you throw him as the third option on a brooklyn team have him passing rather than scoring and that's a real recipe for success there and they'd be a much better defensive team immediately there's concerns about signing hard into a i guess it would be 200 million dollar deal or something close to it in philadelphia after this year I'd be worried about that if I'm Philadelphia, but listen, your time is now to win a championship, and then Harden gives you the best opportunity, definitely over Simmons right now. So, what prevents this from happening, Sharon? If you know this makes so much sense for both sides. Well, I, for I think if there's going to be someone that will kill the deal, it'll be Brooklyn. 
It'll be Brooklyn because I, I think Brooklyn, because they're the team that knows exactly the commodity that they're parting with. They don't know what they're getting with Ben Simmons. They don't know where he's at conditioning wise. They won't know where he's at mentally speaking. He's he is you know his camp has, has made it clear that you know the, just this whole you know Simmons ordeal has put a strain on his mental health and that stuff is real. It's very real. So if you're Brooklyn, you have to go into this thinking, okay, how what, how much time will we need to devote to making sure that from a mental standpoint he is where he needs to be, that we get him the help that he needs in order to really strengthen himself both on and off the court. And and to me, you know, the, the, the one thing, is, as I've talked with different folks throughout the league about Ben Simmons that keeps coming back, but no one wants to talk about publicly, is how things ended the last time he was on the floor in Philly. He didn't just have yeah. a bad game. He basically, he choked when the game was on the line. And it's not, he choked not because he took a bad shot, not because he tried to make a play and it didn't work out, he choked because he it was despicable. He was afraid that he would get fouled. He was afraid that he might actually have to deliver in the clutch. And if you're playing with Kevin Durant, you're playing with Kyrie Irving, guys who they froth at the mouth at opportunities to deliver in the clutch. This dude is not going to fit in with that mindset. How is he going to fit in as part of their big three yeah. if, if if he doesn't have that killer in him? Because that is a that is a very clear and undeniable mindset that you have to have when you are on that level, when you are competing for what those guys are competing for. And the other thing, too, the reason why James Harden was such an ideal addition to them was because Kyrie Irving has won a championship. Kevin Durant has won multiple championships. James Harden went there with that desire to join them in that ultra-elusive club. Does he have a better spot to win it this year, though, Philly or Brooklyn? I think this year, Philly, mm-hmm. because because he's got a, the best player on the team, is motivated to do that, and is playing at an MVP level. He has a head coach who is one of the just great psychological mojo guys in the game in Doc Rivers. You got young players around you who are playing above their heads, and if you add someone mm-hmm. like Harden to the mix, depending on how many of those guys you're going to keep around, because you're not going to keep your entire team intact. It's not going to be a player-for-player player slot. Philly's going to have to most likely give away at least one or two guys. That's another good thing for the Nets. So, you know, I'd push them to give up picks. You know, we gave up all these picks for Harden, give them back to us, and we'll use those yeah. to improve our roster elsewhere. That's 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 one way of doing it. But you know what? I, I think I want a player beyond, beyond, you know, our good friend Ben Simmons. Yeah, because, and that's going to be again, the other second point. Yeah. And, and that's and if you're Philly, that's where you're like, wait, 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 wait hold, hold up, hold up. I I don't know if we're going to do that. And so, again, I, I think that the, the best opportunity for a deal to get done will be, as you pointed out, Bobby, I, I do think it'll be the summer. But it says a lot about where everyone is heads at right now, the fact that this is something that's very real and being discussed. Hey, if you're Philly, there's an urgency to get this done now because you have Embiid playing at this level. Uh, Sure, you could wait and get Harden for less in the offseason if he demands this route. But if you pay a little bit more right now, you're able to take bigger advantage of this Embiid season that he's having. And from a Brooklyn perspective, they are struggling. Yeah, they need to make a change. But from Philly's perspective, though, which is which to me, that's the one that I think the most about. Uh, And and the one that I I actually wrote about, I'm writing about for, for Bleach Report. You have to understand that Philly is right there to having the best record again in the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference. And they've done this with their second best player not logging a single minute all season. 
you if you're able to add a guy like James Harden to just frankly, you know, fast track your offense in ways that you have not seen before, you're going to feel good about your chances. Because again, Milwaukee is a team that they're the champions, but they're beatable. Brooklyn has already shown that they're they're easily can be taken out. Uh, you 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 start looking at the Miami is is playing really good, but I don't think teams are waking up shaking in their boots that they might have to beat Miami to get to the next round of the playoffs. No. You start looking at the teams that are in that mix with you if you're Philadelphia and you realize quickly that your opportunity is now. Your window of opportunity could be right now. Whew. You could be like the Phoenix Suns were a year ago where there's certain things that just broke right for them and they had the roster constructed to take advantage of those breaks. Hey, and if you're Brooklyn... You do this deal, all of a sudden you have a guy in Simmons that you can throw at Giannis, that you can throw at Embiid. I don't know how well that would go for him, but you can try it. And, you know, all these other great players in the East. I've said for a long time that Brooklyn's lack of defensive identity is what's going to prevent them from ever winning a championship with this group. Uh, They don't have size inside. They don't have perimeter defenders. They just get mashed at that end. They did all right early in the season, but Simmons – you know, you talk about the unknown commodity, Sherrod, and I've listen, I have not been the biggest Simmons fan at all. Like when talk of him emerging came to the Celtics, I'd said, No way. You know, you just don't know what this guy's gonna offer in a primary role. But he is in such a low key role if he goes to the Nets, Durant's handling the scoring, Kyrie a lot of the ball handling. He can just be in that complimentary role mm-hmm. position that he really loves and that he wanted to play in Philadelphia, but they just needed so much more from him. In this right. situation, you got Kyrie, you got KD, you got shooters around you. They're going to need more. You're right about that, Shride. Like, I, I know for a fact Philly's not going to offer Maxi in this deal. And Curry, I think they'd be hard-pressed to get him too. But you could get a Danny Green here. You could get some picks to, you know, do other deals around the league because it sounds like Joe Harris might not play this year, and they're going to have to replace him. So I think this is trying to get done now. Maybe these teams get cold feet at the last minute because this is just such a hard deal to do with one of your primary competitors in the East. But I want to see it done. I think this is just like the ultimate chaotic ending, one of the great uh, most captivating trades in NBA history, I think this would be. Where are you at, Josue? Finally, trying to get in here. Damn, Bobby. No, I was just trying to say, listen, this doesn't make sense for Brooklyn. So why do it? Why do it? At the end of the day, you're giving up James Harden, and you're not getting back in return nearly the same production. And people can say what they want about Ben Simmons and his stats and his – where's he been? Where's dude been? He's a ghost this season, so don't give me any How are you feeling about Harden, though? This is a whole summer – this is a whole – hold on a second. This is a whole summer, a whole training camp. This is a whole process. You're not throwing this dude in here midseason, and not even midseason. What finished up the thirty percent of the rest of the year? And, and that is weird, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Even with Kevin Durant, even with Kyrie Irving, especially with Kyrie Irving, you think they're gonna have patience with this guy? Like, you think they're gonna be like, oh, okay, Ben? Like, are you okay mentally to go and you know this best of seven series? Hell no, hell no. These are veterans. These are champions. And to Sherrod's points, you know they're they're hungry. They want to prove that they can win championships without their respective counterparts, whether that was LeBron James in Cleveland or, you know, the, the Splash Brothers in, in the Golden State or in California. Like, this doesn't make sense at all for Brooklyn. So I really don't see this happening. If it happens, it happens in the offseason. But if you're the Brooklyn Nets, why shoot yourself in the foot and think that everything is going to be work itself out within the next two months or so? No and way. It'll be that, no way. It'll be that. Philly, 
hell yeah, you do this. But yeah. if you're the Brooklyn, no, it doesn't make any sense. The additional compensation is, is really what you can throw in. Because you could throw in just, curries, you could throw in Thibel, you could throw in nothing. No, it's not happening. See, see, I, I think that will make it interesting if you were to throw in those type of things. Because the thing that you, you got to remember, and, and we all know this, you're not getting Kyrie Irving. You're getting part-time Kyrie Irving. You're, you're, and, and so you're going to have part-time Kyrie Irving with a non-shooter filling the void as your second-best player on those nights when he doesn't play. So that is a downgrade significantly. He does a lot of great things defensively, and he to me, right. he's, he he really is a defensive unicorn. When you think about a six eleven guy who has the ability to defend all five positions and do it at a high level, but yeah, you just don't know where he's at. It's a good you point. You don't know where he's at. You don't know where he's at. Is he ready to play next week? <laughs> if we're taking bets on that, I'm going to exactly. say no. Yeah, and 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 so and that's why if you are Philly, you are absolutely trying to get this done ASAP so that you can get it done before they change their damn mind. That's your yeah. thing. Because uh, uh, exactly. you know, if you're Philly, you are, you're doing that, right? And yeah, until now, unless, the Nets the Nets were unwilling to be involved in this talk. And what changed apparently this week, according to Shams, is that they're entertaining this. They're at least picking up the phone now and listening. And that's what you said, Sherrod. If other stuff gets involved, that probably makes the Nets think about it a little more because they do need shooting. They need defense. They need a lot of different things. And they got to think long and hard about this because if Harden's intent on going to Philly, all of a sudden Philly's in a major leverage situation this offseason where you could probably get Simmons and that's it. You're going to like that. You know, and that's right. that's what you're going forward with in that situation. So right, like, like that's that's the thing. If you if you're going into a, a championship run, then all is forgiven. You know, everything's gonna be fine. But if you don't, sure, you do risk James Harden's gonna jump and go elsewhere. But you still have that trade on the table. I mean, let's face it, Philadelphia's made it clear they want a clear cut all star superstar like person in return because they've turned down so many different offers up until this point. So if that's the case, and that deal's not going anywhere, it's going to be waiting for you in the summertime. You might as well just try to do what you can with the pieces that you have now and try to put together a championship run and then revisit this conversation in the summer. Unless Harden's, you know, head's in a different place the rest of this year. Now, here's the underrated aspect of this. That could happen. I don't like where Harden's going, you know. Not only the money that he's about to make, but just his body and where that's gone, you know, his physique over the recent years – uh, his numbers this year have really capsized. He's an all-star, but man, do I think he was the least deserving of all these all-stars. Maybe Middleton, uh, but Harden's there on the name, not the numbers this year. Uh, I just have not loved what he's looked like this year. And the ru- new rules have not fit him well. Uh, he's still a great passer, but you look at his numbers this year, and he does not look like Harden. So that's the benefit, I think, is that Simmons, even though he's making a ton of money, it's less than what Harden's about to make. And he's still young. There's still some upside to Simmons, I think. Just a little bit. Uh, especially if he's on a team where his role and everything, the comfort level fits him. And the Nets, like it's New York, but you've seen Kyrie and KD escape the real New York media experience by going to the Nets and the scrutiny there. Um, so I guess, you know, you make some good points, Josue. If you run this out with Harden, Kyrie, Durant, they get rid of that mandate in New York. And you have those three. That's still going to be a really hard team to beat for Philadelphia or anyone, even the Bucks. Um, but it's just a question if you're them of whether you're going to have those three ever with KD hurt now, Kyrie still not taking that vaccine, and Harden, you know, really being the most stable among all of them, which is surprising considering I know what a the shape what he's a in. 
would have never, would have never, ever in a million years thought that he would be the most stable guy on your team. <laughs> I know, right? But it's All true. Right. I mean, it's true. It was a big day. We didn't even talk about the All Stars. We'll do that another day. We can save that for the Magic game on Sunday. Yeah. Middleton should not have been. Jared Allen should have been in instead of Middleton. I'm just. Oh, I agree. Shots fired. Lamelo missing too. Actually, if I had a pick, I'm putting in Lamelo as the KD replacement. And I, I think that's what Silva right. should do too. He'll make it next year. He'll be all right. No one yeah. wants to see a big man run up and down the floor. They want to see crazy passes, uh, you know, the threes. They, how do you have an all-star game without LaMelo? He was, like, made for the all-star game. Yeah, it's, him, probably, five, it's six, people like you. It's people like you, uh, Yao Ming, didn't like it here, man. People like you. Man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Celtics win. One oh two to ninety three. They are down to Orlando, where it's a six o'clock tip on Sunday, a little earlier. So we'll be on around eight thirty on Sunday night. Uh, join us then. No football, so we are your main viewing attraction, unless you're the pro, That's right. pro Bowl fan. Celtics first Magic. You know, you, everyone's watching that. Let's go. <laughs> yep. And then uh, we are on to New York, <laughs> Brooklyn. Speaking of the Nets, speaking of hard, and the Celtics have a big meeting with them on Tuesday. Uh, so that'll be a Measuring stick game, I'd imagine, for the Celtics after this recent streak and another easy win, I would say, on Sunday. So for A. Shrod Blakely down in Detroit. I hate Detroit. when Bobby does that. I hate when Bobby says hey, was Bobby Jinx. Bobby Jinx. Let's see I what happens. I am guaranteeing a Celtics win on Sunday. We'll see what that if brings Terrence, If Terrence Ross drops 30, you know why. If why. the Celtics lose to the Magic, they are in a – in some problems, even after this recent winning streak here. Um, you'll, get, you'll get the version of Bobby where he's going to want the whole team traded. That's going to be fun. <laughs> Check out Sherrod. Full court press on Bulletin. I believe we have a banner here for that. Yes, we do. Uh, he is in Detroit, so I'm sure you'll be getting something out of his experience there, as well as the Bleacher Report article that he teased. So stay tuned for that at A. Sherrod Blakely, Josue Pavone, Heavy.com, Cedric Maxwell podcast, and the Causeway yes, Street podcast. And uh, Dome Theory will have something new coming over the weekend. I have a couple different ideas in my head, so stay tuned for that. Um, and, of course, CLNSmedia.com where I'll be writing up this game and uh, all the others through the rest of the year. Trade ideas to come. We are uh, we are six days away from the trade deadline, so be ready for that Let's as well. Go. Just two more games, I believe, before the deadline. Just that Magic game and the Nets one on Tuesday. Um, and then uh, do they play on the deadline? That's always an awkward thing when that happens. Um, they do not. Next one will be Friday, so a couple of days off next week amid the deadline. So uh, I'm Bobby Manning, Celtics Post Game Show. Thanks for following. Subscribe, Celtics All Access, CLNS Media, and we will see you.